Hello, SaaS Half Full listeners. I recently had the opportunity to be a guest on the Agile Marketing Podcast with Muhammad Yassin and Eva Jackson. We had a killer conversation about how PR must stay agile, especially when dealing with the very fast-moving industry of B2B SaaS. If you want to hear more about Agile and incorporating it into your business or team, be sure to check out their podcast at agilemarketingindy.com slash podcast. I'm Mohammed Yassin. And I'm Eva Jackson. We're the co-founders of Agile Marketing Indie. Our mission is to spotlight new ways of getting stuff done in our ever-changing marketing landscape. Let's get started. We are Agile Marketing Podcast. We're for process-minded marketers and creatives. All of our featured guests have one thing in common, and everyone on this call has one thing in common. We're all really good at getting shit done. We're really excited to be uh, hosting a crossover podcast recording with Blast Media and Lindsay Groper. Today, we're going to be talking about the idea of agility, especially when it applies to the PR world. With that, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you, Lindsay. I'd love to kind of get things rolling with just a little bit about you and Blast Media. Absolutely. Well, Eve, I'm so excited that we're doing this. This is our our first foray into a podcast crossover. <laughs> I love us. It. It's awesome. So I'm I'm the first one to go, and then we'll have you guys over on SAS Half Full. But nice to meet everybody. I'm Lindsay Groper, I'm president at Blast Media. I've had the pleasure of being with Blast Media since the very beginning of our agency 16 years ago. So Uh, I have grown up with a company from when we were a startup to the agency that we are today. We are the only PR agency in the country that is dedicated to B2B SaaS. So we are not a full service marketing agency. We focus in on PR and more specifically media relations and do that exclusively for B2B SaaS companies of all sizes. So we work with series A companies all the way up to publicly traded and everything in between. We are currently the number one rated agency on G2, which is really exciting. If you're in the software world, you know what that is. If you're not in the software world, you could give a shit, but it's a big deal in the B2B SaaS world. So we uh, are uh, very excited to to have that distinction. But yeah, we've been placed here in Indianapolis for the last 16 years. There's about 60 of us now and growing very rapidly. But one thing that people say about us is that you guys have to be really good at what you do if you have built a SaaS PR agency in Indianapolis, because it'd be very easy to stand up a shop in the Bay Area and say, we know SaaS, it's in our backyard, but we've done this from the Midwest here in Indianapolis. And our clients are uh, equally distributed on both coasts. We have some ones that we love dearly here in Indy and then smattered out throughout the rest of the US. So really appreciate the opportunity, Eva. I am excited for today. Lindsay, I would love, since we talked about the podcast crossover uh, between Agile Marketing Podcast and SaaS Appful, could you just give a little overview of your podcast before we dive in? So I host a podcast called SaaS Half Full. It is mixed by Blast Media, and it is a show that serves B2B SaaS marketers. And we have an interesting spin on it where we send cocktail kits to our guests and we share a drink together and hopefully get beyond just the surface discussions about various topics relating to B2B SaaS marketing. And so we've been doing it for over a year now and just have a uh, rolling schedule of guests. It's been super fun. Let's dig into it here at the Agile Marketing Podcast. We have our share marketers who are really religiously focused on agile principles. And that makes sense kind of given the name of our podcast. But over the years, we've really expanded to spotlight any marketer or organization that is just really good at getting shit done. Blast Media is a shining example of 
marketers who are really good at getting shit done. So to kind of get us rolling, Lindsay, I'd love to understand what are some of the tactics that you have applied to grow from very beginning of Blast to this fully successful PR agency in the Midwest? I think our, our guiding principle from day one has always been people over profit. And that sounds so like, oh, okay, we get it. Like, yeah, culture, culture. Yeah. But from our standpoint, our number one goal from the start of Blast Media has always been to create a place of business that people want to work. They enjoy the people that they work with and have a place to grow. And our philosophy has always been that if you focus on that, the byproduct of that is a level of grit and grind where people want to do a good job for you that is going to ultimately show the best value and service for your clients. And putting people over profit lends that happy people equals happy clients, mm -hmm. but profit over people, it doesn't work in reverse. And so I really do believe that one guiding principle has been what has allowed us to continue to grow. And 16 years into our agency, even to finally hitting our tipping point as an agency and seeing explosive growth here over the last 12 months, but it really is a testament to that philosophy. And the other one I think that we have embraced as we've grown and, and grown up as an agency is that if we aren't breaking shit, we're not moving fast enough. We do expect that there's going to be a level of failure across all levels, but it's okay. It's fine. What we do, we just learn from it. And we put processes and stops in place so that when it breaks again, we're more prepared. And so understanding that if we're complacent and we're comfortable, it means we're not growing. And so we've really instilled through every team member that we're all going to screw up and that's okay. Mm -hmm. It just means that we're moving at the speed that we need to be. How do you use that mentality in a way that ensures that everyone is motivated to adapt to that change and tech in general and Blast Media is in many ways a tech organization because yeah. of your clients. What are some tactics that your team has put in place to make sure that everybody is like okay with that idea of breaking shit? This yeah, is an off-the-record question, I know. <laughs> no, no, no. This job is highly stressful. I was literally just talking to my partner, Mindy, about this, that this job is never done. We're essentially a sales organization selling stories. And there are always more stories to sell. There are more editors to sell it to. There's more content to write. There's more angles to pursue. This job is literally never done. So if you have a hard job and you also mix into that team members that you don't like and mm -hmm. managers that you don't click with and a bad culture, this job has extremely high turnover. And, and actually it is. The PR industry and the agency industry has generally very high turnover so it's even more critical that you are providing a place of work that people like each other, that there's shared philosophies, and to this idea of failing is from the top down. So we really encourage from my partner and I all the way down of saying, I don't know, let's figure mm -hmm. it out. Or saying, hey guys, my bad, we screwed up. Or roll out a new idea and say, this, this might work. Yeah. Let's give it a try. And when it doesn't, we'll be like, well, we tried. Here's what we learned from it. And then every month in a staff meeting, we have what we call a bumble brag where someone says, yep, I screwed something up and I'm going to tell what I learned from it. And we present that to the agency. So we have a humble brag where we say, you did this really well. You got to talk about it. And then other times where people are volunteering and said, yeah, I screwed up and I want to make sure that people understand what we can learn from it moving forward. So it's creating that whole culture where it's okay to mess up, but also realizing that you can't have a hard job on top of bad culture. And so right. we're super proud of our agency that, again, from an agency standpoint where there's typically high turnover, 
that we've had a 97% employee retention rate over the past 12 months. And that's incredible for our industry Mm -hmm. and really a testament to that culture that we've built. I love that. So moving on to the idea of agility in PR, you mentioned the level of rapid change that you are instilling within your organization and being okay with breaking things down and rebuilding it. That level of agility is essential for the PR landscape as well, especially the B2B landscape. So PR practitioners are required to maintain a level of agility to be reactive to market trends, breaking news, et cetera. How does your team outside of just organizational growth find a balance between in their own PR work, proactive strategy, and then also like adapting to the unexpected? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. The nature of working with B2B SaaS companies, the only constant is change. So there are are many times throughout the course of a month that do require a abandon all plans, drop what you're doing type of action. And that is usually driven by three things. There's the ever-changing product roadmap and funding roadmap of our clients. There are ever-changing client competitor cycles of news, and there's ever-changing industry trends. So any one of those things can upend plans where you just have to react to what's happening there. So just by nature of our focus, it is a very unexpected news cycle. So what we have to do is figure out what can we learn from those unexpected moments to make them less unexpected. So luckily, because we live and breathe B2B SaaS, is we do have processes in place where we can help plan for what normally would be unexpected, but they're things that we've all experienced before. So we do have some plans in place that we're able to react to those in a more process-driven way now, but we do balance those more timely, must react now with Mm -hmm. what we consider more evergreen type of campaigns. So that is thought leadership-focused campaigns that could be putting a, a thought leader on a podcast circuit, customer stories, the promotion of ebooks or white papers or data reports that we know are coming out. And so we were able to plan enough in advance with evergreen angles that if we do have a breather where there, the new cycle isn't driving our day to day, we do always have these other plans in place that we can execute on. Whereas some of those other changing items that I mentioned, those are really like a right now scenario. I am interested in understanding too, with that methodology of reacting to those changes in the market, how do you proactively apply that to quarterly or annual planning with clients? So one of the things that we put into place is what we call story mining sessions with not only the corporate spokespeople, but also who you consider internal subject matter experts. You probably heard them referred to as SMEs. But it's important that we do this at a minimum quarterly because of the changing nature of our clients' industries and business. Mm -hmm. Because if we sit down and do that at the beginning of a relationship and we don't hit on that for another six months or a year, so much has changed and it's no longer applicable. So we, every quarter, sit down and we come with very specific questions based on what competitors are announcing, what we're seeing in the market and industry trends. So that every quarter we're extracting new and interesting commentary based on what's happening right now. And from that, we're able to pull out usually two or three interesting perspectives that we can pitch in various forms. We, for example, have read that we know a certain competitor has been injected with a lot of funding and we think their next step is IPO. 
there are tools that we can put in place so that when that does happen, we're ready. And we already have a strategy in place. So it's reactive, but we've been proactive in that and already have a statement ready to go the day that that news breaks. Thinking about trends and being adaptive, there's adapting to you know, positive market trends like a funding round or a new product release, et cetera. And then there's also the idea of adapting to crises. So I'm curious, Lindsay, what are the rules or how are they different depending on the severity of the unexpected? Is there much of a difference in how principles are applied or how do you coach your team to stay agile in some of those really highly stressful scenarios? Yes, they can be highly stressful, highly sensitive. We've been fairly fortunate at at Blast Media over the years that we've had what we would consider more predictable crisis Mm. to deal with versus the very unpredictable, but they do happen. But my life motto, and this was instilled to me by my dad, is a quote from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is don't panic. That literally has been my motto throughout my entire life. Those that know me well would probably agree that I handle stress well and I do not panic in normal stressful situations. So the rule to live by in in all situations, especially a crisis situation, is that your first emotional response is rarely the best response. So everyone's highly charged. And before you know the facts or know what's going on, like get the emotions out. It's fine. Let's all talk about it and air it out. But your, your first emotional response is really the best one to put out publicly. Now, luckily in B2B SaaS, as I said, there are more predictable Mm. prices than in other industries. So there are ways that you can be proactive in these situations. So if we're planning around what could happen, an outage, a data breach, those are not desirable, but could happen. So how can we plan in advance and create a crisis strategy for when and if that happens? But then there are certainly the other instances that nobody can plan for that are much more random in nature. And in those instances, once that news becomes public in any shape or form, like any reactive news, the playbook is the same and that speed matters. So you Mm. do want to react quickly and make an honest, quick statement and don't let that time pass because that's when that vocal minority becomes a vocal majority and you haven't had a chance yet to make your statement. Yeah, that's great. I love that concept of contingency planning and really predicting the realistic worst case scenarios. I think that's something that really any marketing team can resonate with. Speaking of crises and kind of unexpected crises, thinking kind of last 12 months and then forward 12 months, shifting the focus to market trends. So as marketers who are trying to be proactively reactive or simply just wanting to build more agility in their daily work, what shifts in marketing are you seeing that our listeners need to prepare to adapt to? So last year was a weird year, right? And in March of 2020, nobody knew what the future held. No one had any idea if their business was going to survive, thrive, not sure. And, but we learned something very quickly is that March of 2020, every business was forced into a digital only world. So all of the brands who traditionally had put a lot of time and effort into their offline in-person experiences, or what I like to call the steak and handshake, but didn't put that emphasis on their digital experience, those brands really got hit. When we went digital forced, 
But the brands who had always put in time and effort and intentionally had built their digital experiences, those brands won. So those brands were perfectly positioned to keep their customers, to have that customer experience. And what it forced brands to do, however, was all of a sudden take a look at their online presence and their perception and say, shit, like this isn't good. Like we need help. Like this doesn't, how does our brand make our customers feel if all those other things are taken away? And, And a lot of marketers said, not great guys. So a byproduct of that is that by mid last year, I think Gartner did a CMO survey, their number one priority was brand. And that was awesome for people like us because PR plays directly into brand and specifically that online perception builder. Like PR can really be a perception equalizer. If you can't compete on revenue, customer logos, number of employees, high visibility VC, PR can be that equalizer where it gives the perception of growth and momentum and that everyone's talking about this company. So we had a big increase in inbounds because brand was in the spotlight. And I do think though, fundamentally that shift is a really good one that is here to stay. I think that brands always should have been caring about how their company makes people feel and what that experience is and putting equal weight on that digital experience. And moving ahead to 2022, when all of the third-party cookies are wiped out, there's going to be an even bigger increase in brand spend, that top-of-the-funnel awareness. And again, yay for us. That Mm -hmm. is exactly where we play. So that's been actually a huge driver of our agency growth is based on this new found interest in brand. And with next year coming, I think it's going to just continue to increase. I feel like most marketers have been in this demand gen attribution, just state of bliss for years. (laughs) And I I read a stat somewhere that 80% of demand gen activities are going to be completely wiped out when finally Chrome gets rid of third-party cookies. And that's insane. And if there are marketers listening to this who haven't figured out what they're doing next with a cookie-less economy, you guys better get on it because it is going to fundamentally shift where the dollars are going and and how you spend those dollars. I think even as companies begin to understand what in-person experiences look like, the fortunate thing is that so many brands in 2020 spent so much time understanding their brand and like what it actually is and how it can be personified. And so it's really that awesome balance of like the strong digital brand and how you convey yourself to a digital world and also how do you marry that with in-person experiences. Is that something that you've noticed at all on the Blast side as well, Lindsay? Absolutely. So thinking about transitioning to back to Blast as an organization, the topic throughout this entire chat is agility. I want to dig into agility as an employer. How has Blast as an employer remained agile? Obviously, you are doing things really well with the 97% retention rate that you've had, but what tactics are the same or different when thinking about growing talent and building your brand or growing talent and building the brands of your clients? This past year and a half has been the weirdest, wildest, most challenging year and a half for my partner and I, because it has brought so many firsts for us. We've always been an in-office culture. We've only had indie area-based team members, Mm -hmm. and that obviously all got turned on its head, but it's also brought some really good stuff. 
we have more than doubled our headcount in the last 12 months with many team members that we've never met. Uh, we've been onboarding them remotely. We have now remote team members, but shit's breaking, girl. As we grow and every month and we have new hiring yep. classes, I think the one thing that we've really had to adapt and be realistic about is that the processes that got us to this point may not be the processes that carry us through our next phase of growth. And it's a tough pill to swallow and is it, it's all worked so well. And it's the reason that we're where we are today. But as we grow in scale, we have to move faster and maybe zig when we used to zag, or maybe it's chop a process in half. So really coming to terms with the fact that what's always worked before isn't what's going to work moving forward and being okay with that. And the other thing that we've had to embrace is that we can't expect work to be perfect, mm. that we need it to be 80% in order to keep moving forward at the speed that we're moving versus 100%, which will hold us back. And that's tough too, because especially as a manager, you want to teach your people and you want to make sure that's right because it's going to your manager. But we can't worry about that at this stage of growth. We have mm -hmm. to keep iterating and moving forward. And that 80% is what's going to get us there. And again, kind of a tough pill to swallow, but it's been just a shift in mindset for all of us. And we've tried to, to stay away from the word change mm -hmm. because we've said it so many times, but the getting everybody on board with why we're growing and what it means for them to, but also communicating very transparently, is it sustainable? Is it responsible? And what are we doing to ensure that it's not crumbling our culture and also not crumbling the reputation that we've built the way that we yeah. have? So we have to grow responsibly so that those things don't fall apart. So we continue our, the reputation that we have. And so it's required a lot of conversations, a lot of transparency about why we're doing what we're doing and that we're not growing simply to grow. Last question before we kind of wrap up with some spotlights on SAS Half Full. What are your personal tips to stay productive and agile? Yes, have some. There might not be as, as specific as people might like because everyone manages their own time and productivity differently. For me, these were two tough lessons to learn and be okay with. First is that you absolutely can do it all. You just cannot do it all well at the same time. And it took me a long time to, to figure this one out and be okay with it is there are some weeks where I am killing it on the blast media front, could not be a better contributor, top of my game. But like, I've had to rely on my village of other friends, parents to get my kids to practices and shit. So like eh, maybe a C player on the mom front, but my God, there's other weeks where I'll say to Mindy, Mindy, I've looked at my schedule every possible way. And I'll text her on a Sunday and say, I'm going to contribute a solid C at Blast Media this week, but I am just bucking, killing it on the mom and wife front. So <laughs> we'll do this with each other where it, it, we just have to say, hey, it's not going to be this week. This week is not my week to be an A-plus player at Blast Media. And it's okay. And you have to be able to adjust that way in order to, to be most productive and have that, that, not that constant pull that I am literally doing nothing well. Mm -hmm. You need to do some things well, really well, but not all at the same time. And the other one is just learning to say no. You are the master of your own calendar. So when your calendar is too much for you to handle, it's your own damn fault. And I am guilty of this, but I have learned over the years to say no to 
volunteer opportunities that don't fill my cup. If mm. I'm not passionate about it and I don't feel personally drawn to it, I say no. Saying no to meetings that you don't need to be a part of or that you add no value. If you're only going to a meeting because you feel like you need to be present because of your title or you need to oversee something, get out of them and stop and block off times in your calendar that simply say busy. I do that. I need that time where I, I just need no meetings. I need no one to book over it. And it just says busy. And I can fill that busy time with whatever I want, but say no and be the master of your own calendar. Indeed. Well, let's wrap up and chat a little bit about SAS Half Full. I'm excited that we are collaborating as a podcast crossover. So for those of you who are listening, please subscribe to SAS Half Full and tune in as we will have a guest of ours on their end soon. But Lindsay, tell me more about why you felt this was the right angle, what you were really hoping to accomplish when launching the podcast, a little rundown on SAS Half Full. So my initial inspiration for SAS Half Full was actually a drunk history where people get hammered and recall moments yep. in history. Love that. And because I, two things I really like, I like to talk to people and I like to drink. So I was talking to Share Your Genius about all the great conversations that I typically have back when I was going to a lot of shows where it never happens like on the show floor. It's always at a bar somewhere afterwards having drinks where you meet someone random and you get to cut through all of the messaging and all of mm -hmm. the, the right answers you're supposed to give. And you really just get to the good stuff. And so that's where the whole concept came about is sharing a drink and being able to have real discussions with B2B SaaS marketers about topic of their choosing. So that's where the inspiration came from. And we, we worked it out with some cocktail vendors where we send them a cocktail kit so that they're able to mix up a cocktail with me as we drink. Byproduct of that is that I'm literally drinking sometimes Tuesday at like 10 a.m. And <laughs> not sometimes the guests will not drink with me at that hour. And I get it. But regardless, <laughs> I do. So I literally, there's been times where there's like interns in the office and I'm just like bottle of Tito's 10 a.m. And then I'm like, and I forget to explain myself and I, I stick true to the process, but it's been a trip. We talked to CMOs and sales leaders and VPs of marketing. Sometimes it's a founder of SaaS companies and we've had all different topics and it's just a really, it's, it's really interesting and a really good way for us to really get inside the brains of our clients. So I'm not um, saying that everyone on our podcast is a client, but our clients are all CMOs and VPs of marketing at SaaS companies. So it helps us understand what issues they're dealing with, what are they interested in, what are the hot topics, so we can take that back to our teams and give a little bit of insight into their brains. I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty jealous that Muhammad is going to be the guest on our behalf. I would love to share a cocktail virtually with you. <laughs> Tell me more about some of the proudest takeaways from the podcast that you have taken from those CMOs and those VPs of marketing and applied to the strategy at Blast Media or to your clients' strategies. There's been a, an overarching theme with a lot of guests, and it's a relatively intense one. And it really is around how much pressure is on CMOs. Today, and I say today, this is again, this podcast started last January 2020. Okay. So, boy, that's been a roller coaster, but there's <laughs> been this common thread of how much pressure is on that role, the changing nature of that role, and how many times the CMO doesn't feel understood and don't 
feel that their perception of in value is the same as others in the C-suite. And so that's been really valuable to take that to our teams to help give them perspective on how much pressure our client contacts are under so that it, it just helps when we get difficult questions or challenging maybe demands of let's peel this back and, and understand maybe where he or she is coming from. Because while our clients are our number one priority, we're not theirs. And that's okay. Helping our teams understand everything that these CMOs have on their plates And how can we make them look like heroes and do our jobs efficiently and effectively for them? I'm curious, kind of taking it back to going full circle with the topic of agility and agile marketing, how does that organizational agility vary among your guests? You mentioned the idea of the CMO really struggling to gain alignment or understand alignment um, among leaders or among their teams. When it comes to the idea of like communication and agility and being reactively proactive, do larger or smaller orgs tend to have the same challenges? Are all B2B marketers like secretly challenged with the exact same things and we just don't talk about it enough? Like, tell me some of the trends that you've seen in how work is done within the various companies you talk to. I think it's easier for startups organizationally to be agile based on the lack of decision-making that needs to happen. Sure. Uh, Organizational structure. I think by nature, smaller companies are able to adapt more agile philosophies and agile marketing because they have to move so quickly. Whereas our guests that have been from large enterprises like IBM, when I spoke with her, there's a desire to be, and it's sort of like the cool kids want to say that we have, that we've adopted agile and this is what we do, but they have a really tough time actually getting there because it's hard to get all of, even within the marketing org, is you have all of these different department heads with different ideas and philosophies. So it's hard enough to get the marketing org as itself on board, let alone the decision that needs to move upstream in order to make things happen. It's tough to iterate when the nature of your business moves slowly. Even if you're a big technology company, it seems like the more upstream you go, the harder that is to adopt as an overarching philosophy. But departmentally, If I'm in charge of a a specific marketing discipline or department, I can make that change in my department, but it's really hard to get out throughout the whole marketing org. Totally. Even the idea of like, how does speed like transcend different sides of organizations? Like I'm sure within larger orgs that their definitions of what that look like are significantly different than a five-person marketing team. And it depends too a lot on the the decision makers in that if it's a, a large enterprise and they give their CMO and their team complete autonomy to make decisions, cool. It's easier to implement. But when you have a CEO who thinks they understand marketing or has feelings <laughs> about marketing, it makes it a lot more difficult. And when you when the CMO doesn't have the autonomy to, to own their discipline, not a good sign, by the way, if you are interviewing for a CMO job and the CEO still is required to sign off on marketing related things, run, run far away, (laughs) run. Uh, And I think at that, we will end the conversation. Before we do, Lindsay, where can we find you? If people have follow-up questions or if they want to connect with Blast Media, what's the best way to do that? Yes, all of the regular channels. You can find us, our podcast is sashalffull.com. You can find me personally on LinkedIn. You're welcome to email me directly. I'm throwing it in the atmosphere. Lindsay with an EY at blastmedia.com. You can go to our website, fill out a contact form. We are pretty much anywhere you would want us to be. Thanks for listening to Agile Marketing. This podcast is a production of Agile Marketing Indie, an organization for process-minded marketers and creative 
looking for new ways to get stuff done. To learn more about our community, visit agilemarketingindy.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or Slack. All the things. Bye.